0: While Alex is off swimming in the Norwegian fjords, Wade sits down with Jason Riscalla and Brian Bass from McLean Asset Management to talk about what you need to keep in mind and understand when reading annuity illustrations and annuity contracts.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Retire With Style. I'm Wade, and this week I am not joined by Alex. Alex is on a family vacation, it's, it is summertime, but to make up for his absence, I have two of our great advisors at McLean Asset Management who are gonna help with this episode. Jason Riscala and Brian Bass. Welcome both of you to the show. And you're both, you've been here before, but let's just start with letting you give a little bit of background about both of yourselves to understand your role. And then what we're going to talk about today is (coughs) getting into the specifics of annuities. So it's not concrete anymore. If you're thinking about the annuity and you speak to someone, you'll see an illustration, you'll see a contract, uh, what we're going to talk about today is how to read these, understand these, interpret them, and so forth. And so can you just fill us in a little bit before we get started on your background and and how you're going to be uh, very useful to <laughs> explaining some of these real-world details with annuities? Sure. G- yeah, sure, I'll start.
2: Uh, So... <laughs> <laughs> um, as, as some of you may know me from a uh, past uh, podcast, my name is Jason Roscala, and I'm Managing Director of Financial Planning here at McLean. I have about 17 years of experience uh, in the industry, uh, always on the individual advising, planning, and investment management side of the business. Uh, I am married. I do have a nine-year-old son. Uh and r- what I spend most of my time here at McLean doing is actually creating and presenting holistic financial plans that oftentimes include uh strategies like annuities uh being recommended uh to better a situation or, or provide benefit uh to the individuals that we work with. And I've worked with annuities I would say my entire 17 year <clears throat> career in one capacity or another. So very familiar with how they work, very knowledgeable, uh, more importantly know when to use them, when not to use them. Um but that's a little bit of background about myself.
1: Great, yeah, thank you, Jason. And thanks, I remember last time you were on the show, <laughs> uh, you didn't mention your family, so you, you've you learned your lesson. <laughs> learned, that, learned
3: that, yes, I did. <laughs>
1: yeah, Brian, sure. how about Hi, It's
3: a, always a pleasure, Wade. Thanks for having me back. Um, I'm Brian Bass, I'm a, I'm a managing director on the other side of, of McLean Asset Management. Um, I deal with the wealth management side, so we do comprehensive planning, um, you know, where jason is more on the, the one-time planning i deal with ongoing planning um so we you know the idea is is helping people through retirement all the way from the start to the end um and then you know obviously managing wealth through the decades as well um i also have been dealing with annuities for a very long time um, ever since you know i got into the business um i was very fortunate to study underneath you wade um so i uh, i cut my teeth i got my master's degree underneath mm-hmm. you so thank you for all your tutelage over the years um, so I'm very well versed in annuities, um, you know, same kind of token with Jason. You know, we, we work with them. Um, we look at when, when to use them, when not to use them, and then how to best choose uh, the right product for the right situation. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of pitfalls. There's a lot of places you can go wrong. There's a lot of um, adventurous salespeople out there that, that like to just kind of put things out and don't really care where they fit or how they fit. Um, so that's kind of our, our role also is, is filtering out. Some of the nonsense that's out there, and really helping people understand what they're getting into, um, and give them the right the guidance, and then implement the right products for the right situations. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and indeed, that is was a side benefit of teaching in the master's program at the American College, (laughs) get to meet the best (laughs) students, and bring them over to McLean Asset Management. So we we do have yourself, and also Stephen. Pumanke, yeah. uh, who mm-hmm. are both from the master's. I'm program. glad this is recorded. I'm going to put this in <laughs> the uh, in the archive amazing.
3: and I will pull it out at a later time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, uh, my star students. <laughs> okay. But, but yeah. Um, so getting into the episode, as you mentioned, Brian, of course, annuities are not for everyone. And the way we've, this is now we're getting far into our arc on annuities. So to briefly catch everyone and get everyone up to speed, uh, you think about the retirement income style awareness. Is your retirement income style more along the lines of an income protection or risk wrap? That's when an annuity may resonate better. And then you do some financial planning, and you look at: is there an income gap? If there's not enough reliable income to fill the income gap to make sure you have your essentials covered, however you define your essentials, if you whatever you want to have reliable income to support. If there's a gap in your retirement income style, suggests an annuity might be something that resonates to fill that gap, then you're moving into the stage of, how do I pick an annuity? And we've talked about how different annuities work, and in in these episodes, we will stick to talking about, first, it's hard to know how to order all this, but single premium immediate annuities are deferred income annuities, and then variable annuities, and then fixed index annuities. And now we really want to get into the specifics where you're talking to someone, uh, they're giving you like, okay, here's a particular annuity you might like to look at. That usually involves receiving an illustration. And then from there, eventually getting to the stage of looking at a contract. And that's really what we want to focus on today. We will start with the single premium immediate annuities or deferred income annuities, the, the simplest kind of annuity. You exchange a lump sum, for an income with them there's not so much in the way of an illustration because there's not so many moving parts nonetheless when you're getting a quote it's going to include a lot of details so let's really get our get going here with talking about and let's abbreviate it as pia so an immediate annuity deferred income annuity a qualified longevity annuity contract they're all part of the same family if you're going to pull a quote for somebody to give them information about a SPIA. What kind of information do you need to actually run that quote? It's a, maybe a good starting point.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll start with that. Um, so it's, for SPIAs, it's quite simple. Um, we definitely need your date of birth uh, is an important factor uh, because that, that determines, it's one of the determinants in the payouts. Um, your name as well, uh, the state you live in. Um, is also very important, uh, because that can dictate what options are available to you. Uh, Insurance products are very state-driven, and some states have limitations that others do not, which could affect the offerings at the end of the day. Uh, So state of residence is a very important uh, piece of information to have too. Um, One of two things also, either the amount of funds you are looking to put towards an annuity and then you want to back into how much income you can get for that. Or if you have an income amount, as Wade had I alluded to earlier, if you've done financial planning and know what your gap is, what you're trying to solve for, you can then back into how much premium would it take to get that. So one of those two figures, either the premium that you're willing to use or the income that you need. Uh, and either one of those can can be used to derive uh, the illustration or generate the illustration. We also use company <laughs> ratings uh, in there as well. You would want to set a minimum rating so that it helps filter out any companies that you're not interested in.
1: And then Brian, also just the the funding source there in terms of is this going to be from non qualified or taxable type brokerage account or what are what are the options in terms of I have to pick the funding source and that may be that's another question of course now that's more of a financial planning question that. This particular episode isn't going to go into, into as much depth with, but you do have options there, and, and how can people think about what type of funding source and how that could potentially influence the um, the pricing that they receive.
3: Sure, um, I think it's important to kind of to kind of lay out to that this this industry is extremely competitive, um, and so when we do. Eventually, when we do drill into, we get the, the plan in place, we know what kind of income or we know how much premium we're looking to, to deploy. Um, going in and pricing these things out is very, very important um, because, you know, even at different price points, there are, you know, some companies will take the lead at, let's say $250,000 in premium or half a million in premium or a million in premium. Um, you see very, very different rates and very, very different numbers. Um, from different companies. So it's, it's super important to really understand that, you know, maybe going to one company is not always the best option. It's really going out into the market, pricing these things out, looking, you know, to your point where qualified versus non-qualified, uh, which is really just, you know, IRA or 401k dollars versus taxable dollars. Um, you get very different experiences and very different quotes come back. So, um, you know, again, when we do look through those things, it's important, you know, to Jason, your point, um, some of the, some of the, the providers that do come back, maybe it's not really one you trust or really want to put all your eggs with. Um, so looking at the ratings, looking at the insurers themselves, understanding, you know, their financial positions. Um, because, you know, these are at the end of the day, these are commitments that you're that have to be honored by the insurer. Um, you know, the the only real guarantees behind the scenes are, you know, is this insurance company going to be able to pay this for the next 20, 30, 40 years? Um, it's it's important to really do your research.
1: Mm-hmm. Now that was a great point, Brian, too, about the uh, the premium could impact which company offers the best pricing. There can be a lot of anomalies, and as well, like another issue where theoretically we know what the pricing should look like, but it could vary. Is like the specific annuity type in terms of is it life only. What kind of other options are there? Life only is not very popular. It's in not. <laughs> That's, uh, there's no sort of beneficiary uh, <laughs> amount available. But what other kind of options do you see there? And and how do we expect the pricing to work? Sure, But there, there may be anomalies.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can I can run with that a little bit. Um, well, you, you have life only, then you have life with period certain that are built in too, uh, which are very popular because they do add a beneficiary option to it. And that can range anywhere from 10 to 20 years, 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, and then you have cash refund also, which uh, is a similar but different different metric there. Uh, adding those types of parameters into asking for uh, quotes and illustrations from insurance uh, carriers can also yield back a different result, you know, at the end of the day, it's really what line of work a certain carrier is willing or what line of business a certain carrier is willing to accept. And then they'll, they'll let you know what the premium or the income amount for a set premium would be. And it can change, you know, you can look at a life only and one company is number one, you look at a life with 10 year period certain, and another one becomes number one or two uh, with that income start date is another big factor. Um, Some companies are willing to defer out longer than others, you know, uh, with what they have available.
1: Mhm and that the point about yeah which company comes out on top it may be a particular company that has the most competitive pricing may not offer the life only option mm-hmm. so it's it's an anomaly you look at the life with 10 year certain and it has the best company payout is higher than the best company payout on the life only which which is one of those weird situations It is <laughs> Now, now SPIAs are generally more like commodities in terms of when you're comparing between different companies, it's really a monthly payout and a credit rating. So a lot of times people will see that list of, here's 10 different companies, here's the uh, monthly payout that they provide. Uh, Now, in that regard, they'll be listed from most monthly income to least monthly income. You, Jason, you mentioned putting in a filter to, to yeah. limit the credit ratings, but how does somebody think about this issue and do they always want to go with the company that has the highest monthly income or might they want to look at the, <laughs> not necessarily the highest amount? How, how should people think about that?
2: Sure. Um, No, you you don't want to necessarily go, the short answer would be no. You don't want to necessarily go with just the the person who's willing to give you the most income for the cheapest premium or vice versa, You know, whatever it may be. Um, That helps to create essentially, running the illustrations help to create what offerings are available. And it's from there that the research really starts on determining which to go with. Um, A lot of it can come down to just personal experiences Uh, That we have as advisors and have been doing this for a long time have where narrowing down that list can be quite easy because we have experience with these firms and these companies. And we know which ones um, are easier to deal with than others, uh, the qualifications that it would take to get a policy over another policy from another carrier. Um, So oftentimes working with a professional helps in determining which is ultimately the best choice and which may not be the number one uh, spot there.
1: Okay. And, and Brian, usually as well, you're going to see when you ask for these quotes on a particular date, they're going to list the quote, but then there's some sort of expiration date on the quote. <laughs> uh, and they're not always the same. So that that's something to also be wary of. That, And it's if you wait past the expiration date on that quote, you're in a situation where you may have to start sure, over. Yeah,
3: um, And two, unfortunately, the, the insurance world right now is very, very slow. Um, and so paying attention to the, they're called the rate locks, right? They give you a lock on, let's say it's 30 days or 60 days to get, you know, get it to the client, explain it to them, get it, you know, get the paperwork done, get it all submitted, get it, get the premium submitted. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it's really, really important to, to understand what those deadlines are and make sure that, you know, we do our best to push things through. Um, but yeah, it's, it, there are a ton of moving parts to all these things and really understanding them from the get-go is, is important. So to Jason, your point, working with the professional, understanding, you know, someone that understands the business and can can kind of navigate the waters a little bit and help, you know, work on your on the client's behalf with the providers um, is so important.
2: And just just a thought too to keep in mind, working, working with a professional doesn't affect what the annuity is paying out to you or anything. Uh, it, It doesn't have an effect on that the same offering should be offered through however channel you get to it. You know, there, there isn't a mm-hmm. discrepancy by working with a professional or not working with one.
1: Right, right. Just mm-hmm. legally, there isn't really this idea of <clears throat> direct-to-consumer. Right. Correct. Somewhere there's always going to be a professional. Mm-hmm. How interactive you are with that professional, I think the point is that doesn't impact the pricing. If it seems Correct. like you are purchasing direct-to-consumer, uh, it's just they've streamlined that all with automation from your perspective, but you're not necessarily, or you're not getting better pricing that way. That That's an important point for sure. Now you're going to see this list. It's going to be the company name, and then it's going to show either monthly income or a payout rate. And I, I have seen people confuse this point. They think, well, the monthly, they take the monthly income and they divide it by 10 or something like that. But you have to remember if it's monthly income and you want to see an annual payout rate, this is more of a reminder than anything. But you multiply that monthly income by 12, not by 10, <laughs> and then divide by the, the premium. <laughs> but another number you'll see, now if it's a qualified annuity, you won't see this because it all comes out as taxable income. But Brian, could you talk about in a non-qualified uh, framework... There's an exclusion ratio, sure. and often these lists will show not just a monthly payout, but what portion of that payout is taxable. Sure. How does that uh, work? especially
3: you know specific to the SPIAs and the DIAs, um, where it's really just an actuarial calculation? Um, they're essentially giving you an interest rate or a piece of interest that they divided <laughs> over the, the course of you know the projected life lifetime of the annuitant, right? So they, they, it's all built in. There's no moving parts to, you know, uh, there's no index rating, there's no crediting, there's no, you just get, there's X amount of income that's going to come out. A piece of that income is going to be principal and a piece of that is going to be the interest that they credited back to your account, um, essentially. And so what they look at is how much of that per month is coming out as a return of capital and how much of it is going to be quote unquote interest. And so the exclusion ratio would be, you know, 85, 87, 88, depending on you know, how long the, the longevity is and, you know, essentially how much interest they gave you to purchase the annuity. Um, and so when you get the, the 1099 at the end of the year, it'll have, you know, your entire income paid out and then it'll have it sectioned out as return of capital and interest. And the interest portion is what ultimately you would pay tax on. Um, as you, you know, run through your cost basis, obviously, if you outlive um, your, your projected lifestyle, lifetime, excuse me, you um, and all becomes taxable at the end, but ultimately, you know, you do experience a, a return of a return of capital over the course of, you know, 20, 25, 30 years, wherever that. How are that baked in the numbers?
1: Yeah, yeah. Through like a, they're uh, spreading that right. out to life expectancies. Right. So if it's. Yeah, and we, we talked a lot at the Retirement Researcher Academy <laughs> workshop on the, the idea of cost basis, and it's the same with sure. that annuity where yeah, it's your premium that you've already paid taxes before you had the chance to purchase the right. annuity, and so you don't have to pay taxes on that again. That comes out tax-free, but you get an element of tax deferral because you are only paying a portion on that interest in those Years leading up to life expectancy. Yeah, so you see that. You see the monthly income, you see the exclusion ratio or the portion of that that's taxable, and then you see a credit rating. And you may see 10 different quotes. We already talked about not necessarily going with the highest payout, but Why do these quotes vary so much? You may look like the the best quote may be offering, say, $430 a month. The worst quote may be $380 a month. Do we have any kind of frame of reference for why these numbers can vary so much or what's going on behind the scenes? I May just be speculation. I've actually
3: asked that question um, to, to different providers before. And... The the canned answer you get is essentially when the actuaries behind the scenes that actually work for the carriers run the numbers on their actual book of business the the, the you know the products and the, the money that they have on the side to pay for these annuity contracts they very methodically section out how much risk they want to take so they're looking at the longevity profiles of all the different people that own their annuities and at some point you know let's just say it's a seventy year old you know, male with a, a joint life annuity living in the southeast. They they get to a point where they don't want any more of that business. And so they'll price it very, very aggressively and give you a really low rate so that, you know, ultimately, if you're doing your job as, you know, advisors and as consumers, you wouldn't pick that anymore. So ultimately, you know, they're controlling their risk on their side so that they don't get overloaded with a certain demographic <laughs> in a certain area of the country or a certain age or a certain you know they've kind of broken down a thousand different ways um but ultimately it's a risk control measure on on the part of the insurers
1: okay yeah and, and like you said earlier too it's about they may want to be more competitive in particular areas less they're, they're just not interested in other areas they still may put exactly. out a quote but it's not necessarily a
3: right and the, the quote they put out they know they're going to make money on it even if they you know get burned on the people living longer than expected. Um, They know they're still going to make money because they priced it with such a rate that they know that they can can go out and invest those funds better than the rate they're giving back to you.
4: Are you looking to make sure your reliable income is, well, reliable? Schedule a call today with Jason Riscala at McLean Asset Management to review how your annuities fit into your retirement plan. To get started, go to McLeanAM.com slash review. Again, that's McLeanAM.com com slash review.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're talking about annuity illustrations and annuity contracts. The annuity illustration in the context of the SPIA, where there's not too much to it. We've pretty much covered it. it's that monthly income, it's a well, if you're seeing it as a list of the different companies, a monthly income, a credit rating, and so forth. But let's go now to the stage of You decide, oh, this, okay, I may want to go with this particular company, this particular SPIA, now we're getting to the stage of a a contract, you'll be sent a contract. What should, and Jason, maybe start with you on this, like, what are we going to be looking for in the contract? What kind of information is in there? What do we have to make sure matches up and aligns with our expectations? What do we need to make sure we need to understand? <laughs> now, these contracts can be lengthy, so there's probably a lot to unpack there. But Certainly. what are a few key <clears throat> points to start?
2: Well, with the, the SPIAs actually offer the, the most simple of the contracts that are out there um, because it is a very straightforward offering. Uh, there's no variabilities built into it like some of the other types of annuities uh, that are in place. So with that, those options come a lot of disclosures, a lot of different features that have to be explained and illustrated. Mm-hmm. With SPIAs, it's very simple. I mean, when you get your contract in the mail or email, however it's delivered to you, after you filled out the application, everything got approved, you funded it, you know, you have your contract in hand. Um, as soon as you get it, it's important to look at it right away because you have what's called a free look period uh, that begins when you – have received the contract. And that can vary from state to state and even insurance carrier to insurance carrier. Uh, So it's important to, as soon as you get it, look at it right away and read through it completely multiple times. Because if something's not right, you have this free look period to which you can essentially cancel it if you need to. If something didn't play out the way that you expected it to, but what you're going to what you're going to want to be looking for is one, make sure your your information is correct. They spelled your name correctly. They have your date of birth correctly. Your address is correct. All identifying information that you provided to them is correct. You know, in the contract, um, especially date of births, you know, or or a big one because that's what these benefits are based off of. Make sure you look through and you see on SPIAs that it tells you. You know what it is that they're going to pay you an income and when it's expected to start and that it matched what was on the illustration that you went through uh, went through. Now, here's something, though, as Brian had said earlier, it's taking longer for these insurance carriers to issue out policies. And you would also during the application process want to know what their rate lock period is, as Brian said, because um, if. If it takes longer to get your application approved uh, due to the fact that you know just information was incorrect, whatever the reason is that it t- it's taking longer, the payouts that were generated to you on your illustration can differ than what your contract is actually issued at. Because a lot of times rate locks don't happen until the carrier receives money, you know, funding for the. Then they lock in your rate until they receive funds. Again, most carriers—you can never say all of them—don't ro- lock in rates, so it can change. Make sure you speak with your agent as to if there is a difference, why did that occur? Um, Doesn't mean that it's wrong. It it could mean that that's just how it got issued and that's the time frame it got issued in. But just make sure that it's explained and and mentioned to you. But just really your personal information that the contract has in it, what was intended to have for it to work the way that you need it to work, is how I would how I would look at a SPIA contract.
3: I would also make sure to understand the terms. Um, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of different terms in there. um, annuitants owners. Um, one of the big ones too, is the beneficiary, like who is, if it's a joint policy, for instance, you could have, you know, two spouses covered by the same contract. Um, one is going to own it. One would be a joint annuitant. Um, so it, it gets very confusing, even on the application process, um, what names go where and it, really, when you get into the weeds of, you know, if it's, if it's an entity owned thing, like a trust owned contract, it really gets into the weeds quickly. Um, and you know, Jason, you and I have both been on calls where sometimes even the carriers don't understand what to put where, um, <laughs> Unfortunately, so it's yeah. very, very important to, to really understand the flow of funds and where you want things to go from a state planning, um, perspective. Um, again, like looking through the beneficiary, if there is a, a cash refund feature, which means ultimately if you die early in the, in the, you know, the contract, if you die in the first few years, if both spouses were supposed to be covered, both spouses die the cash refund feature basically takes whatever is left over in the, the cost basis, like we talked about earlier, um, which is basically just the premium paid minus the the income you've received, um, that would go back into the estate. So understanding where that goes, making sure that the, the beneficiaries are listed correctly, making sure all their information is correct. Um, if it's going to a specific person or if it's going back into the estate. Um, the, again, there's a thousand moving parts and a thousand things that can go wrong in the, in the application process. So really understanding the terms and understanding how you want things to operate um, is critical. And they in the early stages. And like Jason said, you do have a free look period to go through and make sure all those things are correct. So it's not just sign your name, it's done. Um, they do give you an opportunity to check it and make it all right. So,
1: Great. Yeah, so that's SPIAs and, and their relatives, the deferred mm-hmm. income annuities, the qualified longevity annuity contracts. Let's go from easiest to potentially hardest now. So... <laughs> let's move into the variable annuity world. (laughs) Yes, variable annuities. Here, you will generally see an illustration first, and it could be 12 or 15 pages long. And then we'll eventually talk about the contracts. But what's in a variable annuity illustration? Maybe start with you, Jason, in terms of With and without a living benefit, what all are we going to be looking at on a a variable annuity illustration?
2: When it it comes to annuities, variable annuities, in my opinion, and probably industry accepted opinion, is that they are the the more complex of the kind that are out there. There's, There's a lot of moving parts to it and a lot of pieces that you need to know how they work. And the illustration is the beginning part, right? That's where you first really get to, to see the product itself, you know, in, in full illustration, hence the title. What you're going to see there um, is you're going to see a lot of different columns that you're, you've never seen before. <laughs> perhaps, in terms that you've never heard of before uh, being put here, like guaranteed withdrawal benefits or guaranteed living benefits, death benefits involved with it. So in these columns, you're going to see account value, you're going to see market returns, you're going to see income benefit uh, credits, you're also going to see a uh, income benefit base in there, a death benefit base. And all different numbers across the board. You know, when you're looking at them, uh, you're going to say, wait, this number doesn't match this and it doesn't match that and what's going on here. So it, it is a very, uh, for, for people just looking at it for the first time, it can be a very difficult document to decipher uh, and split up what's going on with it. Um, but I would say that it does, it is important and it is necessary when looking at a variable annuity to see the illustration. And if you don't understand it, that's certainly where it makes sense to bring in you know, a professional that does, because that's, that's, it's not an easy product to, to break down and and understand completely uh, with it. Each one can be different though. I mean, companies have different benefits and different features. And so every illustration is kind of unique in its own way. This is where you start to get to, to the differences between companies and the products that they're offering, the illustration itself looking different. SPIAs, they all look the same, you know, from each company. But in this case, because there's different benefits, different riders, it's going to look very different if you're looking at one company versus another. So it's hard to really say in general what Mm -hmm. would be there, but an account value, an income benefit value, a market return, income benefit-based growth, death value, those would all uh, generally be present. Um. And
1: and Brian, there's a few different ways that the illustrations can uh, be presented. The idea is they want to show you how this might perform Either they may use historical data or they may use some sort of fixed rate of return. Could you talk a little bit about that point? Like, what are you seeing in the illustration? What is the point of the illustration?
3: Oh, gosh, how much time do you (laughs) have, Wade? So the, (laughs) the the, I mean, I guess stepping back from the 30,000 foot view, the variable annuity is just, it's a wrapper, uh, essentially a tax deferred wrapper around an investment portfolio, right? I mean, that's essentially what it is. There's an underlying suite of investments that every single company is going to be different. Um, and you're going to have different options if you're using living benefit riders versus if you're not. Um, so that's all another you know section of the of the illustration is going through and seeing what you know investments are being used in the illustration, what the allocation looks like. You know, again, if a lot of the companies, if you're using a, li- a living benefit writer, are going to limit the amount of equity you can use. Um, so you, you might, you know, you. you And depending on what the product is, I mean, you might get shoehorned into a 50 50 where you have 50% stocks and 50% bonds. Um, I've seen some of them let you go up to 80% stocks um, on their benefit riders. Um, You know, some of them are are just strictly tax deferral vehicles that allow you to do whatever you want um, and use a complete discretion across the entire suite of mutual funds and ETFs that are available inside there. Um, You know, I, I guess the gotcha on these illustrations is really the return streams that they're using for the illustration. Um, One really important thing to keep in mind as, as, you know, looking at it from our side and looking at it from the consumer side is you have the option to tell the insurer, Hey, I'd like to see X percentage return. You know, we don't necessarily have to look at it through uh, looking back from a 10 year period where they, you know, they cherry pick the highest 10 returning years. And they show you that we can actually go in and say, Hey, look, I want to see you know, a really low return, I want to see a 3% return or a 5% return, you know, don't show me the 10 or 12 or 15% annualized returns. Um, Let's look at this thing from a realistic point of view um, and show me what kind of, you know, in my opinion, the way I do it is I I want to see what the worst case scenario is. You know, if there's a floor, um, you know, when you're using these riders, sometimes they they cap it out where you don't have any negative years. So show me what a 0% return over the next 10, 12, 15 years looks like. What does that do to the contract? Right. And that for me, that's that's really where, you know, the difference from the consumer facing side and then going through uh, an advisor who really understands these things, we can kind of tweak these these illustrations and make them look however you want them to look. I mean, you can really whip the data and make it look amazing. And you can also make it look really, really bad. Um, so, you know, again, just kind of picking through that's that's really the gotcha for me is, is what return assumptions are you using um, to generate these long-term returns? Because again, you're looking at these things as 20, 30, 40 year, uh, vehicles.
1: And that's an important point. Oh yeah. Go ahead, Jason. Wait,
2: I I would just like to reiterate the importance of working off of the minimum guarantees Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. both variable annuities and fixed index annuities offer both of them, because they both have growth potentials to them. And, um, Quite frankly, not if not every time I recommend an annuity, it is based off of the minimum guarantee. It's not based off of growth potential within it, yes. Um, Yeah, I can't remember the last one I didn't recommend that wasn't based off of the minimum uh, Mm -hmm. for that reason.
1: And sometimes the illustrations will even offer multiple scenarios. They may have some sort of historical market return scenario and then a scenario where you're... The market is returning 0% a year, which exactly. of course markets could do worse than that, but at least you're going to see what the minimum guarantees from the annuity are if there's never any gain in the annuity. Yeah.
3: And it's, you know, Absolutely. kind of circling back to the financial planning aspect. When you, when we do these scenarios where we're building these income streams, you know, Jason, I know you do the same, so I'm just going to say it. Like we use a, a, a 0% return. Just show me the worst case guaranteed income number yes. so that if we get something above and beyond that, awesome, fantastic, that's great. If we don't, I, for me, the worst case scenario would be, would be to show someone these annuity contracts, sell it to them. And then 10 years down the road, we don't get the returns that are shown. And we have to have that con- that, that conversation of, Hey, you know, we said it was going to be X amount of income. It's 15% less than that. So sorry. It didn't work out. Like for me, that's worst case scenario. Um, so I always want to show the mm-hmm. absolute guaranteed minimum value that we're going to get from these things. And then again, anything you get on the upside, is just kind of, kind of whipped cream on top. 100% yeah, agree. yeah.
1: Because mm-hmm. I so that zero percent return scenario usually would be deeper into the illustration. But I've seen a lot of times at the initial illustration, they might pick something like 1995 as exactly. the starting year to show how this performs. And if you have, we've talked in past episodes about how guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefits work. But if you have that benefit base that's going to link to the high yep. watermark, the the highest the account's ever been, and then generate income off of that. 1995 is cherry picked. It's like a best case scenario because the next five years, that benefit base shoots upwards and then uh, the markets drop after 2000, the contract value is going to go down, but you're going to see this really high income number that as you're both alluding to, of course, in that at that time or at that point, much, much higher income being generated from that than if you did assume the, the 0% returns. For the contract
3: yeah and that i mean too that goes into the conversations yeah. around product choice i mean if if you have an aggressive you know investor that really wants upside potential you know there are gives and takes in these conversations where maybe you're going to take a little bit lower uh, guaranteed income number for a product that has a higher upside um versus a, a really really conservative person who doesn't want to do any of that um that just wants a simple speed that's going to usually generate the highest uh, guaranteed income you know that that's why we have the conversations up front to, to determine what product we're using, how we're going to use it, and then how you design the investments uh, underneath the hood.
4: Are you looking to make sure your reliable income is, well, reliable? Schedule a call today with Jason Riscala at McLean Asset Management to review how your annuities fit into your retirement plan. To get started, go to McLeanAM.com review. Again, that's McLeanAM.com. .com/review.
1: Right, right, and that's the that whole philosophy about the uh income protection versus mm-hmm. risk wrap. If you're more income protection, you absolutely do assume you're not going to gain market growth when it comes to funding your basics and therefore, right, this be will usually offer the highest payout. If you're more risk wrap, <clears throat> more probability based, you might say, no, no, markets are going to do fine. So then some of these step-ups may be <laughs> uh, available to allow for a higher average income than the, the SPIA would provide. But yeah, as you're both suggesting, don't get too excited about the step-up potential, the, the ability to increase the income beyond the guaranteed yeah, rate. Because a lot right. of times you need a pretty strong market performance And,
2: and to be able what, to do that. To piggyback on what Brian said, the the actual the actual product being placed, um, you know what any any agent should be looking at the universe of what is available, you know, to the to the client at that time and helping to decide on which annuity ultimately ends up being the best, you know, to use. Cause there will be some cases where a spia is better, some cases where an FIA is better, and some cases that a variable annuity is better. I mean, these products exist and they are you know, it takes a specific type of situation to fit each one, you know? And, and again, working with a, a knowledgeable professional in that will help to do that. Helps narrow down that universe of what's available to what is the best for my for my situation. So in some cases it could be a SPIA, some cases it could be an FIA or a variable annuity uh, across the
3: board. Yeah, I mean, to your point, it's-, it's Great,
1: yeah. Well, I was just gonna
3: say, it's very important <laughs> to do that work, um, especially if you have a, a lengthy the deferral re- period. Um, you know, a lot of times we look at uh, deferred uh, immediate annuities. So we look at the DIAs, um, which is essentially just a deferred SPIA, um, and we have two, three or four year deferral period. Sometimes those fixed index annuities outperform the DIA. And so it it give, even with even without Correct. any market mm-hmm. performance whatsoever, you know, that worst case scenario we're talking about. On a minimal yeah, basis. Um, yeah. So it's always, it's not just, mm-hmm. oh, okay, we're great. When you want an income annuity, we're going to do a it, SPIA or DIA it's not that easy because again, market pricing dictates, sometimes mm-hmm. companies get really, really competitive and they want that business. They'll actually go out and give you more income, significantly more income on a fixed index annuity no versus a speed idea. That's correct. I've seen that, seen that yeah. actually quite often recently. Yeah. So the deferral period is just another variable mm-hmm. in the, in the conversation of, you know, do we have time before we need to turn this thing on? Okay. Now let's really start to do some homework and go out in the marketplace and, and see what we can get it. And, and two price points matter, um, you'll get different, uh, you'll get different breakpoints with different companies. So it, it, just playing with the breakpoint, even adding, you know, 50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars to the plan premium, sometimes dramatically changes the payout rates. Um, and so it's important to just kind of play with the numbers and see what's out there and see what you get back when you run these quotes.
1: Yeah, and I don't know. I've heard so many times the idea of do you want income now, income soon, mm-hmm. income later? Because you're absolutely <laughs> <Yeah>. right, <laughs> which annuity provides the most income now, soon, yeah. or later? Uh, of course, can vary quite and dramatically. We get, we get super so it's always. There's not. Well, we get super annoying when we run. <laughs> there's yeah, not one annuity well, that's, that's. We, <laughs> we annoy a lot
3: of people when we ask for 20, twenty, thirty different types of quotes. I mean, it's just it. You know, ultimately, it's, you have to do your due diligence and figure out what's out there because, I mean, there are some products that just really blow things out of the water sometimes, and if you don't ask the question, you just don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, for our listeners who are more technically minded, uh, like a way that I've learned a lot about how these annuities actually work is to recreate the illustrations in Excel. Uh, that's not for everyone, and that's where, of <laughs> course, talking to a professional can help you bypass the scenario of recreating, but you can learn a lot from the recreation. And so to kind of go through what are all these columns in the uh, illustration, usually you've got some sort of market return, which we've talked about. It could be some historical numbers, it could be a fixed rate, hopefully like a, a lower fixed rate to get a better sense of the, the guarantees. And then you'll see straightforward, the evolution of the contract value how much is left after distributions and fees and returns? Then we're kind of, I suppose, we're talking about a scenario where there is an income guarantee. So, in a, di- well, I guess before getting to the income guarantee, next to the contract value, there may be something that could be called a variety of names, withdrawal value, or it's, uh, you'll, you may see numbers that are smaller than the contract value due to, People who may want to leave the contract rather than holding it over the long term. So, uh, Jason or Brian, or maybe Jason surrender charges, Brian market value adjustments. Why does the, uh, <laughs> if you, now annuities are meant to be long term contracts. These, what we're about to talk about now is only if you're trying to get out of the contract in the first. It varies, but it could be five years. It could be 10 years. could even be more than 10 years sometimes, although I mm-hmm. think that's not too common. But why would the uh, value you get if you decide to end the contract uh, be less than the uh, contract value column uh, going in the order of what the illustration is probably going to show most of the time?
2: So on, on annuity contracts uh, that have the ability to you know leave the contract, so SPIAs are irrevocable. Right. So once you start it, once you're past the free look period and it's issued and it's up and running, you can never change your mind on it. I mean, it, it's, it's there. It's irrevocable. The variable annuities uh, that we're spe- specifically speaking about now uh, and even FIAs, um, they have what's called surrender schedules associated with them. So when you hand them the premium that you're giving to them to fund your contract and your contract begins, it starts a clock. Essentially, and it's and and Wade's exactly right. It usually ranges between five and ten years most of the time. There are ones that are longer and shorter, but on average, you're looking at five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. And what that is is essentially, if you want to cancel your contract within that time frame, let's pick a ten-year period. If you want to cancel your contract within ten years of it starting, depending on what year you ultimately uh, cancel your contract in, you'll pay a penalty. What that penalty is, is determined by the schedule that the company gave you. And it's usually on a declining scale. So the longer you hold it, the lesser that penalty is. But it could start off at 10%, meaning if, uh, if you withdraw your contract within the first year, uh, cancel it, you know, just say, hey, give me my money back, they're going to penalize you 10% of what the, the account value is at that time. Uh, and the second year might be 9%, and 8%, and 7%, and so forth. Uh, but that's, you're, they're going to show you that on the illustration too, that if you were to walk away, as they call it, from the contract in any of those given years, this is the value you would be walking away with according to that scenario you know, that they're showing you. Now, in, in, in addition to that, I, I think Brian's going to explain the market value adjustment uh, that could come into play
1: which generally brian I, maybe we should save this for the fixed index annuity because it's usually more yep. relevant it, there but yeah while we're on the topic we could just talk about it now yeah i mean so
3: at a high level when you're using a fixed index so a fixed index annuity and a variable annuity vary drastically um in the way that they credit your return if you will let's just use that word um, a variable annuity you actually own the underlying investment so you have a segregated account you have you know if you're buying three four five mutual funds under there whatever the you know a lot of times they have a package deal you just choose a 70 30 global allocation and they give you whatever mutual funds are are there that the manager has chosen that's usually kind of the way we see things um being sold so you actually do own those shares of those mutual funds and so you have a segregated account it's that's how they calculate the value of you know things going up and down with the markets that's what you're you know account value does it floats up and down with the with the market returns of those funds a fixed index annuity on the other hand there is technically no underlying investment portfolio right you're, you're essentially getting um the insurer is using an index of some sort and there's thousands of those that are out there they're you know all the different big shops and on wall street have their own custom indexes doing different things um but essentially they use a starting point january 1 to january 1 if it's you know you can you can select the different terms. It could be a one year, it could be a five year, it could be whatever, you know, uh, everything in between for the different creditings. Um, so you'll have let's just use a one year kind of point to point as an example. So from January one to January one of the following year, um, they credit out whatever that index does. That's what essentially they give you as you know your return. Right. That's how they credit your your indexed value back to your your contract so in between those point to point you have what's called as the market value adjustment if you decide to you know for whatever reason surrender the contract or take money out of it they're going to go back in and figure out exactly where you are inside there because you know it's not you haven't fulfilled the entire one year of that investment you know quote unquote commitment Um, and so they'll adjust the contract value up or down based on you know essentially where you are inside there is a really, really layman's example of how to do
1: that. Really, Yeah, and that's really to protect other owners of those annuities. It's the same thing with bonds. It's like, well, if interest Mm -hmm. rates go up, I'd rather sell my existing bond and just buy the new bond with the higher interest rate. But as we know, prices go down when interest rates go up because everyone would like to do that. And it's really the the same idea in the annuity where if I want to leave the contract early because interest rates have gone up, so I'm looking at some other investment option. Well, to be fair to everyone else, they can't really pay you the the full value net of the surrender charge necessarily because uh, the assets in that account are not worth as much at, at that time. And that, yeah, that's a much bigger issue with the fixed index annuity. But it's not unheard of that you might also right. see that with a variable annuity as well. Now, there's still a lot to talk about with variable annuities, and we we still have the fixed index annuities as well. I think this is really a, a two-parter episode. Uh, if you guys would bear with me, we'll meet up again on Friday to continue the discussion. But before we do that, uh, if people are interested to, to talk to either of you about annuities or about anything related to financial planning, how can they get a hold of you?
2: Very easily um, through the McLean website. Um, if you go to McLean AM. Dot com So, M C L E A N as a Nancy, A M as an asset manager.com. Uh, you'll see a get started button. I, I believe it's located in the top right corner uh, of the screen. And if you simply click that and fill out the information about how we can contact you, it'll even include space where you can write some notes or, or what you would like to discuss with us. Um, we'll, we will receive that directly uh, and be able to, to begin communication. So, very simple. Go to mcleanam.com and get to
1: the get started uh, page. Great. And we'll we'll put that in the show notes as well. And I know on that page, you can even click that you heard about it on retire with style. So Mm -hmm. you can click that button as well. Thank you both. And we're going to continue this discussion on Friday. We have this summer where we're during the summer, we are running two episodes a week. So I'm really looking forward to continuing part two with you. We'll finish talking about variable annuities. There's still a lot to cover. We'll also talk about fixed index annuities. And again, the whole point of these conversations is we want to understand what you're going to see in the illustrations as well as the contracts. So thank you so much to both of you. And I look forward to continuing the conversation on Friday. Us
2: as well. Thank you, Wade.
0: Wade and Alex are both principals of McLean Asset Management and Retirement Researcher. Both are SEC-registered investment advisors located in Tysons, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with a risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future
3: results.